0: So a few weeks ago, a friend of mine texted me and he said, you gotta get to Costco because they have a killer sale on ribs. And my family loves to eat ribs. We love to smoke them, bake them, whatever. I do not discriminate when it comes to ribs, okay? Any kind of prepared ribs, we're all in, right? So a friend of mine texted me, and said, hey, there's a huge sale. So I run over to Costco, sure enough, Huge sale on ribs. So I call my wife. I say, sweetheart, we're not going to be able to send our youngest to college. Because I got to stock up here. I'm I'm saving money, right? And so I bought like uh, a bunch of ribs, take it home. My wife is like, what are we going to do with all these ribs? And I'm like, I got it. I got it. Which for those of you who are married, understand is husband speak for I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> right. And so I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I had several packages of ribs and I'm like, but honey, I got a great deal. Right. And so it's like, all right, well, here's what we're going to do. It's like, Why don't we cook one up and then we'll just freeze the rest. And obviously we'll use them up as we need them. Perfect. Great plan. So I put them all in the refrigerator, got busy throughout the rest of the day. Next day comes, oh, I can't remember, we had something going on, whatever. I don't know. I just didn't get to smoking that one rack of ribs. And so then uh, I was out of town that, that, that following week and I forgot to put those ribs in the freezer. So I get home from being out of town, come back the next weekend, go to get the ribs and they're all expired. But I got a great deal on those ribs. And my wife's like, hey, honey, are we gonna have some of those ribs? And I'm like, well, sure we can have ribs, but I'm gonna have to go buy some more. (laughs) Well, why? And I'm like, that's none of your business, honey. Okay, it doesn't matter why and I totally forgot to put the ribs in the freezer. But again, I got such a good deal. I still feel like I saved money. I just never got to use the ribs I saved money on, lesson learned. And if you use that as a parallel for where a lot of people are today in terms of making a difference for King Jesus, Here's here here's what you discover. There are a lot of a lot of Christ followers today that have been called gifted, equipped, resourced who aren't using what they have to make a difference. And instead of using what they have while there's time and opportunity, they sit and spoil and come to the end of their lives and look back and realize that they wasted a lot of opportunities that they had. Uh, let, me, let me say it to you this way. If, if you look across the landscape of American Christianity right now, okay. Let me, let me just kind of take it with a, a, a group of churches that we partner with here at Bell Shoals. We partner with some churches, about 45,000 of them across the country. Okay, we're, we're in a network of about 45,000 churches in our network, hey, listen to me, the majority of those churches will baptize no one this year. The majority of those churches will send out no one on mission this year. The majority of those churches will give very little to church planning, campus planning, international missions this year. And you say, how can that be? How can it be that we have tens of thousands of churches, hundreds of thousands of churches across the landscape of American evangelicalism? How can it be that with tens and of hundreds of thousands of churches that, that, that we can be so anemic at times in actually multiplying gospel work across the country and around the world? And I'll tell you very simply, it's because there are too many believers who have sat and spoiled as opposed to using what they That's the simple reality. You have to try really, 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 really hard as a church to reach nobody with the gospel in a given year. And by try really hard, I mean you have to fail really hard. But as we look around the country, here's what we're seeing today. Church planting efforts need to triple to keep up with two things, the number of churches who are closing their doors and the growth in population. In order to reach the current American population with the gospel across the United States with the majority of our citizens located in and around major cities, we have to triple what we're doing now because so many churches are closing the doors, we can't keep up with the population. It's an amazing thing. Listen, 80% of new life comes from new work. 80% 80% of the, of the new life that we experience in terms of, of, of people coming to faith in Jesus happens not through existing churches, but through new churches and new campuses. And so, and, and so if you look at where we are today and we think about making a difference, that's what this series is all about. Here, here's what I want you to see today. We can really only make the difference that the Lord has equipped us to make if we get in the game, if we use what we have before it's too late. Because God's will for your life is not that you sit and spoil, but that you get in the game, you use what you have and you make a difference for Him while there's still time. And can I just tell you, I know some of you are new to Bell Shoals. I, I just want you to know, in my view, the primary reason that the Lord has blessed Bell Shoals so richly over our 60 plus years in existence is because Bell Shoals has never been a church about Bell Shoals. We have been a church about multiplying gospel work to the neighbors and the nations. And Bell Shoals has been a church from day one that's been about getting the gospel to our neighbors and the nations. We've been a church about launching missionaries and church planners. We've been a church not about ourselves. We have been a church that's been about multiplication for 60 plus years. And let me tell you the kind of church that God blesses. Let me tell you the kind of Christ follower the Lord blesses. The kind of church, the kind of Christ follower that doesn't sit and spoil, but the kind that multiplies what they have. The, the, the Lord gives to those who are giving. He multiplies those who are multiplying. And, and hear me now, in your life, in your family, and in our family collectively here at Bell Shoals, the way that we continue to see the blessing of God is not by sitting and spoiling and just enjoying what we have. We could do that, by the way. We're we're pretty blessed. God's blessed us in a great way. We can sit and ride this thing out as long as we can. Or we can see where we are, who we are, what we have as greater opportunities for kingdom impact in the future. And prayerfully consider ways that we can be even more effective in the days to come than we have in the past. And so I want you to see today, when we think about success as a church, we think about what it looks like in your life, in your family, in our collective family to be successful, impactful. Here's what I want you to see today, okay? Being successful is all about being one who is sending out and supporting the work of the gospel at home and around the world. You see, a successful church, if we take this as our faith family, if we look at it collectively, say, how do we define success? It's not in in numbers. It's not in budget. It's it's not in some of these measurables that we look at and evaluate. Listen, ultimate success is not about reaching a certain number or a certain target. You know what ultimate success in the context of local church is all about? It's about making a difference in this way, sending others out and supporting multiplying work at home and around the world. A successful church is a sending church. It's not a church that sits and spoils, right? It's not a church that wastes what they have. It's it's not a church that's that's comprised of individuals and families who are just an end into themselves. No, being a successful church, a successful people means that we are sending others out and supporting the work of the gospel around the world. And so that's why we here at Bell Shoals are all about sending and supporting. One of the favorite parts, my favorite parts of my job is meeting the incredible missionaries who have been raised up and sent out from Bell Shoals over the years who were serving overseas and they come home on furlough and they stay in the home that we provide them and they interact with our membership and I get to meet with them and hear their stories of faithfulness. I love traveling across the country everywhere I go and speak or meet and connect with people. I hear from others who have been impacted by the ministry of Bell Shoals literally everywhere I go. And I just want you to hear me on this. Our legacy will be measured not by how many we, we, we just raise up right here at home and, and how many we gather every week right here at home. Our ultimate legacy, bell-shoals is how many we raise up and then send out. It, it's about what we are doing to carry the gospel to our neighbors and the nations, to multiply this work at home and abroad. And, and that's a movement of which we are a part that we have to keep multiplying not to sit and spoil but to send and to support you see the the work of the church has always been focused on this sending and supporting sending and supporting we we engage in new work because it's so effective Tim Keller said it this way the vigorous continual planning of new congregations both in campuses which we are doing and Churches, autonomous churches, which we are doing, right? He says this continual planning of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for number one, the numerical growth of the body of Christ. And number two, the continual corporate renewal and revival of existing churches in a city. Nothing else, not crusades, outreach programs, parachurch ministries will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church and campus planting. You see, the Lord has brought us together as a faith family to reach people right here in West Central Florida, to be a blessing to our community, to make much of Jesus right here where we live, but also to raise some up, to send them out, to support their work, so that all around the world the name of Jesus is proclaimed and the gospel goes forth. This has always been the pattern of multiplication in the local church for 2,000 years. And so let me, let me take you on a 10-minute a journey of the book of Acts, okay? <laughs> we give you kind of a high-level level overview today as a part of our difference maker's emphasis on what it looks like to send, support, sustain, meaningful ministry so as not to spoil, okay? And, and I want you to see this pattern over the past 2,000 years of what it means to be a part of the Church, okay. And some of you are new to church. We're so glad you're here. So glad you're connecting. Today's actually a great day to connect because you can get a little bit of an overview of kind of how this thing works. All right. So first of all, just make a note of this. Okay. Right at the beginning of Acts, the book of Acts, by the way, following the Gospels, kind of outlines for us how the church was formed and then how it grew. Because so the patterns we're seeing today are still in existence. And I want you to see foundationally. Here's the first thing: the church is enabled by God's power. So make no mistake about it. As we're talking about our role our resources, our effort, our energy, right? Just make no mistake about it. We are who we are by the grace of God, and we do what we do by the power of God. And the blessing of this, you guys, is that if you're sitting there today and you're like, I'm not sure I can fill in the blank. No, 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 let me stop you right there. Because through the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you can that's what that's what enables what we do here at Belshul. So it's not based on us, it's not rooted in us, it's not tied to us. We are a part of something that's bigger than ourselves, and it's powered by God Himself. Here's what Jesus said in Acts 1 8, right? So you're kind of laying the groundwork of what's to come. He says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, you know what's amazing about this statement? At this point, there were only his witnesses in Jerusalem. And they weren't really even his witnesses there yet. Pentecost had not come yet. The Holy Spirit was not indwelling believers yet. But Jesus has given them a little preview of what's going to happen. And here's what he said. He said, I'm telling you all, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then all Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. And you know what some of these people were thinking? Wait a minute. We're just fishermen. Carpenters. You got Matthew sitting there converted tax collector who was a traitor to his community and hated by others. And and you got this ragtag group of people. These are not all-stars. These are not seminary champions, okay. These are not leadership experts. These are average, ordinary people as we've seen, as we kind of read through the gospels, some of them are quite stupid, okay. Right, like they they say some dumb stuff, they do some dumb stuff. You got guys like Peter, who's bold and brash, and he's out front for the Lord, but then he denies the Lord three times, and the Lord's trying to restore him, right? But right in the middle of his restoration, he's complaining about if, whether or not John is going to have a better seat at the table than he. And this is just like an average, ordinary group of people. But Jesus brings them together, and he says, "Fellas, let me tell you what's going to happen here. I'm going to fill you with my power, fill you with my Spirit, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, into the ends of the earth. And if I'm them, I'm." And I said, they're like, us? Yeah, you. Because the key to your effectiveness is not you. It's the power of my spirit that I'm putting inside of you. To give you wisdom and boldness and courage and confidence and grace, conviction. Jesus said... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you and I today, 2,000 years later, guess what? Have the same Holy Spirit living in us. Every single one of us who claim Christ as Lord. The same Holy Spirit. So whenever you say, you know what? I'm looking at this mission. I'm looking at this vision that Bell Shoals has. I'm I'm a part of this mission and the movement that's changing the world. I'm thinking about being a difference maker. But I don't know. ah, ah, ah." You can. Do you know why you can? Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And if God can use Peter, he can use you. And don't be going up to Peter in the new heavens and new earth one day saying, hey, you're not going to believe what my pastor said about you. My pastor said, I mean, if God can use you, he could use anybody, right? (laughs) I will deny I ever said that, okay. But it's true. If he can use a ragtag team of fishermen and tax collectors and carpenters to change the world, he can use us. Because Jesus says, you will receive power when my Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, the, the church is enabled by God's power. Secondly, to, to take note of this, let me fast forward, Acts 13 here, this is when now the gospel is spread outside of Jerusalem. And now you've got all these believers outside Jerusalem they're gonna put together a strategy for reaching Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. Here we go then, the church is then advanced by called leaders. Here's what happened, Acts 13, check this out. So it's enabled by God's power, to advance by called leaders. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work, which I have called them. The gospel now spread outside of Jerusalem through persecution. These believers took with them the gospel everywhere they went. What the devil sought to extinguish, the Lord only multiplied. And now outside of Jerusalem, In this strategic town called Antioch, you have these believers first called Christians, Christ followers. And they're mobilizing together in terms of the New Testament church. And they're like, you know what, we're going to become the epicenter for church planning around the world. And the Lord said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to raise up Barnabas and Saul. You're going to send them out. And you're going to support them in the work. And and so this is the amazing thing. They, They laid their hands on Barnabas and Saul and then... That's the Apostle Paul there, by the way. And he he went on his missionary journeys. And, and, and we've talked a lot about how the Lord uses people who aren't vocational pastors or missionaries, and that's true. And I'll emphasize that again today, but hey, make no mistake about it. For those who are raised up, called and sent out, they play a vital role. And I thank God for them. Can I tell you what I'm praying for right here at Bell Shoals as a part of our vision in these next 10, 20 years, I'm praying that God would raise up just a little army here from Bell Shoals of men and women who are called, raised up, committed to full-time vocational ministry and missions, sent out from this place, sustained and supported by Bell Shoals so that they can make a difference around the world for King Jesus. I think we can see that happen. You. I think we can see that happen. I know many of you in your businesses have experienced a little bit of a hiring problem, right? It, we've all kind of felt this, this difficulty of, of finding qualified people for whatever the reason, right? There are a lot of reasons. But I just want you to know the church is not immune from that. There is a shortage of men and women right now coming from the New Testament church in general, who were called, raised out, sent out. And and, and so here's what we're gonna do here at Bell Shoals. First of all, we're challenging our students. Those of you who are students with us today, college student, high school student, middle school student, can I just challenge you to pray earnestly now about God's will for your life. The Lord may be raising some of you up to serve in some capacity where you're called, raised up and sent out. I think that's awesome. And to support that, listen, over these next several years, we're gonna be starting an internship program, a robust internship program here at Bell Shoals. Eventually, prayerfully, we're asking the Lord for a residency. I'll be asking some of you to host some of these interns, maybe, and and those serving us full-time as as residents who are being raised up and ultimately sent out. Listen, I believe with all of my heart that it's not the responsibility of a seminary or a college to raise up and send out missionaries and pastors and leaders. It's the responsibility and the privilege of the New Testament local church. Right? And so, and so over the years, yes, over the years, we've seen this at so We've seen this happen. and We want to see it continue to happen. Because listen, how does the Lord move in advancing the gospel through the ministry of the church? Well, it's, it's enabled by His power. It's advanced by called leaders. There are those who are called, raised up, and sent out. And then third, check it out. And then these who were raised up and sent out are sustained by sending partners. And then that's where all of us have a part to play in praying, in giving, in encouraging, in supporting however we can. Here's what happened in Acts 13. And after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. Eventually, Paul and Barnabas came back to Antioch and guess what? The church celebrated all that they had done and they sent them out a second time. (laughs) And we need those who are called and raised up and sent out, right? But then we also need... The rest of the fellowship to come alongside, to sustain, to support, to pray, to give, right? All of us have a part to play in making a difference. This is the pattern multiplied over and over and over again. And that gets us to the last thing, and here, here, here's the encouraging. I think the most encouraging part, then, then, then we're encouraged by Jesus' promise. Notice we're enabled by his power, right? We are we, we led by those who are called full-time sent out, right? Though they are sustained and supported by partners in the game. And then finally, we're encouraged continually by Jesus' promise. What was the promise? First of all, Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, here's what's so cool. We get to be a part of something that is guaranteed to be effective, guaranteed to win. I love that. I love being a part of teams that are guaranteed to win. How about you? I thank the Lord today that I was not raised in Tennessee. Yes. Not because Tennessee's a beautiful place, but to be a volunteer fan today is a rough day, right? And our lead worship pastor here for all of Bell Shoals is Jason Millsaps. Jason led us today. He's just a wonderful man, a great friend. But Jason was not blessed to be born in Ohio. He was born in Tennessee. In Knoxville, Tennessee. And yesterday, Jason played the mighty bulldog, and he was so excited. We talked about it all week. He was prayed up. He was burning incense. He was offering sacrifices. He was doing everything he could do, and his mighty volunteers got destroyed. <laughs> if you're not a football fan, you have no idea what I'm talking about. You're Googling stuff on your phone. You're like, I don't know. But um I texted Jason yesterday afternoon because I seek to be an encourager. (laughs) Yeah, I said, Jason, come have some expired ribs. They're really good. Um, Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Jason, listen, anytime we talk, like, I mean, if I text him, like, I mean, you know, I hear right back. I didn't hear anything for hours. I didn't know what was wrong with him. I thought about going over to his house. I thought, no, I don't want to see that. And then... um, Finally, he texted me back. I knew he was okay. Came to church today wearing sackcloth and ashes. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I like to be a part of something that's going to win. And, uh, (laughs) man, here's here's what's so cool. You, You put all this together, right? Here's the pattern that the Lord has entrusted to us, okay? This is the pattern he's entrusted to us. That he's going to fill us with his power, his giftedness, his enabling. He's going to supply every need that we have. He's going to give us resources beyond even what we need so that we can share in his ministry of multiplication. And, and, and then as we're together, he's going to raise people up, send them out. He's going to give us the privilege of coming alongside, sustaining, supporting, like getting a part of, of, of what he's doing, being a part of that. And then here's, here's his promise, right? This is what encourages us, his promise that what we are doing in terms of our kingdom work, check this out, you guys, it's never going to fail. I Man, how good is that? Every dollar we give, every dollar we leverage, every person we send out, every prayer that we offer, right? Every phone call we make, every note that we send, just as we're being a part of this mission, this movement, right? As we're launching new campuses, like what we're doing here over the next seven years, as we're supporting church planters called in other areas, as we support our missionaries, as we're a part of this work, as you're a part of this work, you're a part of something that's not gonna fail. You're guaranteed to succeed. This is the promise of Jesus. He said, I'm gonna build my church in the gates of hell, i not gonna prevail against it. And then the very last verse of Acts, okay? The very last verse, this is awesome. Paul is in Rome. This is his third journey now, sent out from Antioch. Now he's in Rome. He knows if he can get to Rome, he can only reach the world because there are people in Rome that are going all over the world. And so he's in Rome, but he's under arrest. He's living in house arrest. Think of like he's got an ankle bracelet on. You know what I mean? Like he's under house arrest. And you and I might think, and others might think, oh no, look at, the, look, look at the hindrances to Paul's ministry. Look at the hindrances to what he's doing. No, 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 no. Jesus said, I'm gonna build my church and the gates of hell are not gonna prevail against it. So Paul stayed two years in his own house there in Rome. And he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming, here's what he was doing, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. You think those chains are a hindrance to him? It's not a hindrance, you know why? Because those chains cannot stop the advancing of the gospel. It's not not a hindrance. And the very last word, literally in the original language, the very last word in the book of Acts is the word unhindered. This is what encourages us. This is what keeps us in the game. That we have the Lord's power, we have His enabling, we have His gifting, we have His resourcing. You know what we need to do? Get in the game, stay in the game and quit spoiling what we have. Leaning into the Lord's power, leaning into the gospel, that salvation is in Christ and in Him alone. Raising those up who are called and sending them out and then sustaining them and supporting them and joining them in their work. And with that, here's what's, here's what's true. This work will continue to go forth in a manner that is without hindrance. You say, Corey, wait a minute. <laughs> have you noticed all the political wins? Well, have you not noticed all the craziness of our culture? Have you not, have you not paid attention to all of the obstacles that exist? Uh, you know, actually um, I'm aware of them all, but I know this. Jesus said he's gonna build his church and this movement of the church is gonna to continue to advance unhindered. Amen. This is the promise that we have. And so we give and we pray and we support and we send and we stay a part of this mission The movement that's changing the world and has been for 2000 years. That's what Go 2030 is all about. If you're new to Bell Shoals, this is our vision for the next seven years to, to evangelize and baptize 1200 people. To send a thousand of our members overseas. So as you leave today, you can stop by one of our roundtables over here in our missions area and you can connect with the team leader who next year, check this out, has lined up. We have 12 teams right now scheduled to go in 2023, and you can be a part of that. I think we can send a thousand members in five years. I'm hoping that you're coming to me in seven years saying, Wow, you way undershot that number. Good! I'm already bad at buying ribs. <laughs> I'd love to be bad at guessing on that number, right? Setting a goal. I think we can send more than 1,000 on mission, no question. We got 12 teams already lined up to go next year. If you've never been on a mission trip, you need to go, it'll change your life. We're going to send 750 in our academy, enroll in our academy, 700 in a D group, five new campuses. Why? Because new work leads to new life and $0 in debt so that we can put more dollars where they matter most in terms of missions and ministry and stay on this trajectory of sending out, supporting meaningful work and making a difference around the world. Listen, this is our legacy, Bell Shoals, listen to me. For 2,000 years, this is our legacy. The Lord's given us his power. He's called some out to lead. He's called all of us then to support, to sustain and then to lean into the encouragement that he is gonna do what he's promised to do. And this has been happening. Listen, in the year 42, Mark, one of that ragtag members of the disciples, right? Like, like he went to Egypt with the gospel. In 49, Paul went to Turkey. In 51, he went to Greece. In 52, the apostle Thomas went to India. In 54, Paul went on his third missionary journey to Rome. The gospel began to expand outside Judea, Samaria. In 174 AD, the first Christians are reported in Austria. By 280, there's the first written knowledge of rural churches emerging in northern Italy. Let me tell you why that's so important. Up to the year of 200 AD, Christianity was an urban religion. And now, as of 200 AD, we have evidence that Christianity is beginning to spread even to rural areas around the world. By 350 AD, 31 million people claim Christ as Lord in the Roman Empire. That's roughly 50%. In 432 AD, Patrick went to Ireland. In 596, Gregory the Great sends Augustine and a team of missionaries to what is now England to reintroduce them to the gospel. The missionaries settle in Canterbury and they baptize 10,000 people in the first two years. In 635 AD, the first Christian missionaries arrive in China. In 70, 740 AD, Irish monks reach Iceland. In 900, missionaries reached Norway. By 1200 AD, the Bible is now translated into 22 known languages. By 1498 AD, the first Christians are reported in Kenya. In 1554, there are 1500 converts to Christ in what is now Thailand. In 1630, there's a attempt made in El Paso, Texas to establish a mission among the Mason Indians. In 1743, David Brainerd starts a ministry and a mission for American Indians. In 1890, a family led by John Brandon establishes a community known now as Brandon, Florida. And in 1915, out of that family, the Valrico Baptist Church was constituted. In 1930, it became known as the Brandon Baptist Church. In 1955, it was renamed the First Baptist Church of Brandon. And in 1961, a group from the First Baptist Church of Brandon came a little south to the corner of Bell Shoals Road and Overhill Drive and started Bell Shoals Church church and here we are 61 years (laughs) later (laughs) a part of a mission and a movement that's changing the world and you and I can be a part of it called up raised out yes we pray for the Lord to continue to call and raise up and send out those from among us and then to sustain and to support and encourage those who are and to be a part of this mission, this movement that's changing the world. And we're doing that, not just with our new campuses, but with some of the churches that we're partnering with, where God's raised up and called out some vocational pastors to lead the charge. And so today I wanna to introduce you to one of those pastors. A man named Kirk Kirkland, who's here with his wife, Karen, who were called to reach Cincinnati, Ohio. yes they've called to go north of the Mason-Dixon line in a really, really hard to reach city that requires a lot of sacrifice, but the Lord's using them to make a difference. And uh, I, I want you to see their story with me today. Let's watch this together.
1: Kirk was an assistant pastor at our home church for seven years, and we got married, I think around his, like, fifth year of being an assistant pastor, so we got married, and we just kind of knew from the get-go, like, okay, we're not going to be here forever, you know, like, maybe we should start our own thing.
2: We were all about sending mission teams overseas, supporting missionaries. We were all about the dot on the map, you know. We wanted to have all the dots on the map that we could. It was a a wonderful church culture that we grew up in. We went on several mission trips and every time I would go, I'd get this sense of why aren't we doing what they're doing in our city? They would have uh, a missionary we would support and that missionary would have multiple pastors throughout all the villages around the main town that would have church plants all around the, uh, the main church. And I thought, Man, that, why aren't we doing that? Why aren't we the main church? And we set up and start new churches around in the smaller towns around our city. And so uh, through that, and through tragically, through actually a story of a friend who passed away in a car accident, who was gonna plant a church. And when he passed away, I had this nagging belief that someone needed to take his place and plant that church. But then we just start thinking, what's the biggest city closest to us? And where is there a need? We wanted to go where there wasn't, you know, an evangelical church on every corner. We wanted to go and and reach people who who there was a lack of opportunity to what we would say hear the gospel. And so lo and behold, we start thinking about Cincinnati.
1: And then just as we were praying, we knew people in this city had been praying for someone to come. There's so many churches everywhere, but not a true Bible believing church can be found in downtown that's where we started
2: we both have this heart of what what about people who are just don't have this opportunity they're far from God maybe for whatever reasons the cultures or the the traditions that sometimes churches have built around have fenced people out and they're not gonna walk through the doors of the church or they're they're hurt by the church is there a way that we can reach people who aren't being reached? We didn't know. We didn't know. We had no idea what it was to plant a church. Uh, we were so naive and foolish. And so a- as we grew in our faith, we realized that we didn't start a church. Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And we were just joining him. got it set up ready to roll welcome good, good, good to see you Anything we can pray for you anything you need I do chat for the Reds today well I got the Reds today but I'll be back at the end okay how you feeling man oh you got the red on for the Reds come on good morning how you doing you. look how close it is to midway keep that relationship what time is it I'm looking at my watch what time is it I need to leave here oh I gotta go we need to roll We want to live as close to the church as we possibly can, so we're selling our house. If you've sold a house before and you staged it. You know, half the stuff has to go. All your clutter. All your. No one wants to see your dirty shoes, right? So, all that stuff is in our cars. We got pets in our cars on Sunday morning, and we're we're heading into church and we're heading into to worship the lead people.
1: We have always been teardown setup from day one. We have moved nine times in nine years
2: there's a lack of stability. There's a lot of lack of continuity. And many times that's exactly what people are coming for or what they're seeking for. Their life is unstable or they're having issues with their life. And they're coming to Christ or they're coming to the church to look for that stability. And as a church plan, uh, you try the best you can to put your best foot forward, but you just don't have it. You just don't have it. And so you make it happen. Every Sunday you make it happen. looking back at it now I would never ask my wife to go through what she went through I know there are many people in this room like me over the past two years have experienced a lot of personal loss um, a lot of trial frustrating seasons you've had people leave things change things were different and some things that'll never be the same
1: I think it's been really hard, especially with the pandemic and everything that has come from that, Um, you know, seeing people not come back to church uh, who were faithful before, Um, losing people that way, losing staff, um, all of it, and in the midst of it, feeling like we want to quit ourselves. I think people think that pastors and pastor's wives are so resilient and they don't feel the hurt and the pain that they do. Today though
2: I walk through the valley
1: of the shadow of
2: death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. I'm here to tell you God is not the light at the end of the tunnel. God is the light in the darkness
1: like all through those years like i never felt like god didn't hear every single one of our prayers i felt like god was just like you guys got this it's okay it's going to be okay
2: so when god opened up the door for this space we were so grateful and it's not about just the convenience yeah i mean it is nice when you put something down and then you show up the next day it's still there uh and to feel like there's some a little bit of uh, okay now we can focus on other things than just the logistics of of making a gathering happen we can focus on some of those spiritual components and the culture components of who we are
1: in our outreach yesterday we had a lot of people. And they were just, like, had four kids, and, you know, all these families are coming, and they have multiple children, and they're like, oh, yeah, we don't go to church anywhere. Oh, no, we didn't even know this was back here, you know, like, oh, we just wanted to see what it was, and we're like, oh, my goodness, you know, like inviting them into a community.
2: It's not just about what we can do. We're about a kingdom, not a castle. And boy, we can have a nice, pretty castle, we can build it up and everything can be great, but what about all those outside of the castle? Every person who walks the door, believe it or not, at Revived City Church, in the back of my mind, I think, is that the next church planter? We want to see a revival across the city, and a city impacted where people of all different walks of life come they find family they meet jesus they find a community once they find that community in jesus their life is transformed and they discover their purpose and then we make cincinnati that city a launching pad throughout the whole world all the cities of the world all the families of the world are blessed because of jesus all the cities of the world could be blessed because of his church hey how are you doing good to see you can
1: we pray for my dad? He has to have
2: surgery and next does month. He, does he next month? Yeah. Sure enough,
1: yeah. He's got a hernia. Can I pray for him right now? What's dad's name? He has a heart for community. He has a heart for people from all different walks of life. He doesn't care. Like, he legit does not care what somebody looks like, how much money they make, where they've come from. He just wants to reach people.
2: And for me, the reason why I'm still here, number one, is because I felt called. I believe I was called by God. And when it got hard, and it got hard, and it gets, and it's, continues to be hard, There's continues to be challenges. But when you have the sense at the end of your life, you will stand before Jesus, and he will look you in the eye. And my heart's desire is that he would say, well done. Well done.
0: Bell Schultz, will you join me in welcoming Kirk and Karen Kirkland today? All the way from Cincinnati, Ohio. So guys, welcome. We are so glad you're here. And we're so grateful that you have shared your story with us. Um, Kirk, it's been a ride, man. It has been a ride. And you haven't been on this journey alone, of course. You've got uh, your beautiful bride. But then you have four wonderful children as well. So just... Tell us quickly about your family.
2: Sure. Thank you for letting us be here today. It was really tough to leave 50 degrees in Cincinnati and come down here. (laughs) But we made it happen for you. Yeah, yeah. We also brought our kids. And so we have four kids, my 11-year-old Kerrigan, my 9-year-old Colby, and then God blessed us with twins, Kingston and Claire. And when the Lord gives you twins, that's his way of saying slow down.
0: Yeah, (laughs) no (laughs) doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, And your oldest, as you said, is 11. So really your children have grown up with you all in this context of church planning in Cincinnati. Started downtown, now you're on the west side and been on the west side for, for several years. So just tell us what has been like, you know, raising your children, you and Karen, in this context, not only of church planning, which is crazy enough, but then all those moves that you guys have made over the past nine years.
2: Yeah, so... Uh, four kids, uh, under five at one time, while we were starting the church. As a matter of fact, my uh, second born was, was born just before we started the church. Yep. And so it has been a bit of the journey. And uh, I don't say this to complain. I say this to say, look how far God has brought us. Uh, to God be the glory. But I can remember days we were living downtown. We had an apartment there. Uh, I was waking up at five o'clock in the morning, go drive a school bus on top of planning the church. We only had one vehicle. So Karen was pushing the twins in a double stroller with our other little girls to school <laughs> um, in the middle of the city. And yep. there's so much beauty that comes to, uh, from an urban environment, there's also brokenness. Uh, and so pastoring people, um, experiencing people in the church being shot and killed, uh, experiencing overdose in the church, it, uh, it's been brutal would be uh, yeah. the way to describe church
0: playing in the city. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who are not familiar with Cincinnati, uh, we've got the downtown area and it's going through a lot of revitalization. But then the west side of the city where you guys have primarily been located, um, it's still a really difficult area to reach. And you've been through a lot of ups and downs with that. And as Karen said in the video, so many locations. And so just walk us through that journey of being okay, downtown but then mostly west side, right. Price Hill area. Now you're in another area. But it's just, man, it's been a ride.
2: Yeah, we've been trying to do good in the hood.
0: Yeah, Yeah. no doubt, no
2: doubt. Uh, So we moved to the west side uh, after our first year. We were in a little church building. We outgrew that in less than a year. And so we actually had church, you remember this, uh, above a dollar store, above a family dollar was our church. Yep. You know, you go to church and then you come afterwards, you get all your stuff, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's a two for one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And the day after Christmas, one year, a city inspector came and said, you got too many people here uh, if you want to keep... Having worship services and gatherings, you have to put a sprinkler system in. And the first quote was like $200,000. And we didn't have two yep. nickels to rub together. So we felt like God was leading us elsewhere. Yep. Uh, we went to an elementary school. We weren't there but a few weeks. And tragically, a little boy committed suicide. One of our members publicly criticized the school, uh, and rightfully so. But then the school suddenly didn't want to do business with us. Yep. And without a Sunday's notice, we had to find somewhere else to have church. We went back to our dollar store location, but we had a bouncer at the door because we only could have 49 people at a time at three different services. And and then thankfully ended up at Cincinnati Christian University. Um, And it went well. Our church grew and we began to multiply. And then the school shut down in the middle of the school year.
0: Like for those who don't know, like
2: legit closed their doors permanently. Correct. Yeah. You know, seniors in college had to go find somewhere else to graduate from. And, uh, And they gave us two weeks notice to find a new location. I thought I've been kicked out of better places. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and so we found yep. another local school, and we ended up in that school in, in November of 2019. We sighed a sigh of relief, and then COVID happened. Yep. And uh, no one wanted to talk about any church meeting anywhere in the city. Yep. And so we were online, and then we went outdoors. We were having outdoor services, and the last outdoor service that we had, it was so hot, our equipment was shutting down. And I, I knew I had to make a move, and I went to... Literally the last place I ever wanted to have a church. It was an old, run-down church that was built in the 1800s, uh, a nonprofit owned it, 12 different organizations used it, no one took pride or ownership, it was dirty, zero parking lot, all street parking, no handicap access. Um, It was literally that place where you said, God, I don't want to do this. And that's where we spent the last two years of ministry. And then God made a way. That's right. And we have five acres of land right in the middle of the city. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah you just got to your new location and what, what a blessing that is. So just tell us about the opportunity you're going to have now moving forward with, with your own space in your own section of the city still on the West End. So tell us about what you guys are looking forward to with that.
2: Yeah, so again, that sense of, of, of a legacy uh, that one day when our time comes, and I, I pray it's 20 years from now, but one day there's going to be that next set of leaders that advance the mission and we lay hands on them, yep. uh, that we're going to hand something to them. Yep. And and that mission would move forward. To think about the next group of church planters. We have two men right now are planning, who are training in our church to plan a church in other parts of the city. Yep. Uh, and so the legacy of the mission moving forward. Um, and to think about people whose lives are going to be transformed. Uh, our first service there, there was a person who, uh, who, who thought well of Jesus, but would not have described herself as a, a someone who believed in the divinity of Christ. Yep. And for a year and a half, we passionately and and lovingly ministered to her, and she was baptized uh, two weeks ago because she made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ as her <laughs> Lord and Savior, that He is <laughs> that God. That
0: is awesome, man. Yeah. That is great. That's so great. So you want to see
2: people come to know Jesus. Yep. And uh, and find a community. Find place where they're transformed and discover their purpose. And so time and time again, we wanna see God do great things in
0: people's lives as he makes them whole. Yep, absolutely. Well, last thing, we we wanna come alongside of you in this journey. And I appreciate you, Karen, and and what you shared in your story, just the authenticity uh, that both of you display. And it really came through, Karen, with your comments about how hard this can be, this journey. Really, anyone in the room and anyone connecting with us online today who's a leader is going to face hardship. That's just a part of leadership. But there are some unique challenges in ministry, for sure, for those who are called and sent out. And I thought you articulated that very, very well. I, I know Christine and I have been through seasons where like, okay, you know, or I've been like, you know, like, um, definitely I've been like, you know, I think I'm going to do something else tomorrow. And um, So there are definitely those ups and downs, and you guys have been through them in a unique way. But here's what I love about this family, Bell Shoals, like every adjustment they've made, they've showed tremendous endurance, and the Lord has blessed them remarkably. Um, And you're one of the best, not just in Cincinnati, you're one of the best in the state of Ohio, and we want you to stay in the game. And as a part of our Go 2030 vision, we're coming around, some folks like yourself, we're raising some up here at home, but... We wanna be with you in this journey. So finally, man, just tell us how we can do that. How can we be a blessing to revive City Church um, and see the gospel take root in Cincinnati? Man, that's awesome.
2: (laughs) Um, You you just guys don't know how grateful to hear that. You know, when we first started, we didn't know if people even cared about us, you know, you felt like you were on an island and, and to have people a thousand miles away from us care about us, support us, pray for us. When we say pray for us, that's not just you know Christianese Christian talk. Uh, when you face hell, it's good to know you got someone holding the rope for you. So uh, thank you for praying for us. And uh, I would say the greatest thing you could do, if God would lead you to, is just boots on the ground. Show up in Cincinnati. Maybe don't come at
0: wintertime. You no. know, <laughs> no. You don't um, have, hey, you don't have to tell us not to come up there in the winter time. We ain't coming uh, in the winter, but uh, <laughs> spring yeah, just, and summer, right? I mean, yeah. we're thinking spring, summer. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what. I think.
2: Yeah, so just just show <laughs> up, and uh, uh, there's something yeah. that happens. It's a flywheel that happens. That you, you know where your feet are, you know there there your heart will be also, and uh, and so if you come and see, you know we have a brand new building again, five acres of land, fifteen thousand square feet of building. It is run down. The church that we bought it from has died. It's, dying. it's a dying church, and they just let it go for the past four years. Um, so a lot of work that needs to be done uh, okay. to have a good first impression. Um, but then there's, we, we sit on, the, on uh, the west side of Cincinnati. There's 100,000 people who live on the west side, yep. and primarily who are unaffiliate of any type of, of religion or faith or lots of people who are actually connected to uh, a faith that has failed them. And, uh, and who are just without Christ. They have a, a sense of who God is, but they're without Christ or they've never been discipled. That's right. And so uh, partnering with a church like this could help us go further faster uh, to introduce Jesus to our community.
0: Good. Well, that's perfect because uh, what we're announcing today is that actually we are adding you as one of our ministry partners as a part of Go 2030 and we're gonna add our 13th mission trip in 2023, and it's going to be to Cincinnati, Ohio, all right. (laughs) So so I was, we wanted this to be a surprise for them, so I'm really glad you said you can take teams, um, because that would have been really disappointing uh, to have announced that. And you're like, we can't do anything. But uh, I know there's a lot we can do, and we're going to do it together. We want to send multiple teams your way here in the next couple of years. Um, We will be announcing this, uh, the dates, we're going to coordinate dates with, of course, with the Kirklands. But over the next uh, couple months, we'll be announcing that Bell Shoals. That will be our 13th mission trip. We know that not everyone can go to India. But, uh, man, a lot of you could spend five days up in Cincinnati. There's great food there. uh, Great gospel work. I'm telling you, so impressive what what you guys are doing. And so that will be our 13th mission trip next year. We're going to come see you. It will definitely be spring or summer. All right. Yeah, we definitely don't want, don't, we don't want to see winter uh, in Cincinnati. And then the other thing is, you didn't mention this, but do you cash checks? I'm, I'm a Baptist
2: preacher, yes. <laughs> okay,
0: good. I'm just making sure you didn't mention that. But um, I know some of our members are going to be praying for you. We have a lot of life groups represented here today that I could anticipate adopting you guys and praying for you. We're going to send some teams your way as a part of Go 2030. And uh, the last thing, man, we have a missions budget and this year we've set aside some dollars for church planting beyond just what we're doing with our campus planting strategy at home. And so today on behalf of all of Bell Shoals, I'd like to give you $5,000 to revive City Church. Keep you moving in the right direction. All right? All right. And um, I just want you to know you're not alone in the fight. I know you have a lot of support. But... Um, Man, Bell Shoals is added to that list and um, we just couldn't be more grateful for what you're doing. There aren't enough of you in places like Cincinnati doing what you're doing. And so we're with you in it 100%. Thank you all so much. Yeah, we love you. you. We're with you 100%, all right?